Physical fitness. Yes, some of you just cringed. But I'd like to invite you to a discussion where we explore this a little bit more in depth and why it's so important to us as individuals. Yes, there's so much more involved than just passing a PT test. Let's talk about it. Welcome to Pulse, recorded at Cannon Air Force Base, New Mexico. Pulse is designed to provide you with real, honest, productive conversations about a variety of topics, from fitness to leadership, how to bounce back from pitfalls and keep effective habits, all in an effort to aid you and us in a journey towards becoming a better version of ourselves. Yeah, there you go. There we Say are. something. <laughs> yeah, we kind of. Sit. I, I wasn't was quite sure where we were at there. <laughs> well, we're here. Well, we're here. You're yes. there, and I'm here. Yeah, here we are. We are recording here in the midst of the COVID nineteen. Oh wait, COVID nineteen <laughs> uh, situation, and uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So we're going to talk a little bit about um, what most of us call physical fitness. Yeah. We know why physical fitness is important. I think we all know that it is important. We do, and I think most of us, especially those of us who wear the uniform, kind of center um, a lot of our ideas around this whole PT test yes. situation. Which for a lot of people is very scary, right? So it's a lot stressful. of individuals find yeah. it to be stressful. That's probably yeah. the more appropriate term. A uh, very stressful time. But An- why anxious. is it? Yeah, anxious. Why is it that stressful time? Is it because people don't train enough or is it the pressure of the penalties that come with not being able to meet, meet that standard? I think it's a mixture of both, really. Yeah, um, it depends on the individual, it right? It does. I mean, each individual has their own strengths and weaknesses when it comes to that. Um, and really, when you're talking about physical fitness um, and you're looking at physical wellness as a whole, right, the... The idea and the concept there is completely different. While some individuals may be more physically fit, they may not be physically well. Um, and there, there is a, a difference. Um, nutrition plays a huge role into that too, right? You don't want, you can go out and run and do push-ups and sit-ups and hit the bench and leg squats or whatever it is that you're doing. Mm-hmm. But if you're not eating the food that's appropriate to help you out, when that day comes to have to perform, and you may you may have been running, but now you're worried that you're not going to pass that test. That pizza or that you know heavy steak dinner meal you had the night before may not have been the best choice, which will cause a little bit of anxiety for you. Yeah, no doubt. I think what we just kind of briefly discussed is what we're going to focus our our the remainder of our uh, episode on. Um, but before we kick it off, I think it's important that we take just a quick second to kind of identify who, who's at the mic here so that everybody's tracking. I think that's a good idea. Yeah. That's so, idea. Some of you probably do recognize the various voices, but our, our guest this evening is uh, Phil Bean, who uh, holds a degree in health and I'm, wellness. I was going to say, let you, you run with that because yep. I don't want to get it wrong. So. so I have a degree in health and wellness. Yeah. Um, I have a concentration towards uh, physical performance. 
as well as multiple certifications as a personal trainer, corrective exercise science, um, just a slew of any information I can find to help better others as far as being a good, well-rounded individual. Yeah, good. And uh, of course, you got uh, Master Mike Fisher here, your career assistance advisor. And then to my left at the table. But I'm on oh, your I'm sorry, right. right. Yeah. <laughs> the military I was, right. My, I was inverting. <laughs> he was inverted. Which, Are you unintentionally inverted? <laughs> right. John is back, sitting at the table with Mike and Phil. So let's talk about wellness. Let's talk about fitness. And something was said before we hit the record button that fitness and wellness are not the same thing, right? So, Phil, explain that difference. There is a lot of things about them that are very similar. And depending on the individual that you speak to or you ask, um, they may may state that they are the same. Uh, But if you really look at what fitness is, we've all been through high school or elementary school, and we all had physical education. And they take you out there, and you do fitness, right? You're doing some push-ups, you're doing some sit-ups, maybe running around a track. And that is the term that we've grown to accept as what fitness is. A lot of guys now go to the gym and they'll they'll hit the bench, doing some bench presses, maybe get in a squat rack and do some squats, deadlifts, whatever that is. And that is fitness to a lot of individuals. But fitness is more than just lifting weights, picking up heavy objects and putting them back down, right? The term wellness, I think, helps incorporate all of those aspects a lot more, and individuals relate to it a little bit differently. Wellness being what you're consuming, uh, the amount of sleep that you're getting, the stressors that are in your life. Physical wellness ties into a lot more. Physical fitness has the ability to help your physical wellness and improve your physical wellness, but your physical wellness also has the same ability to improve your physical fitness. So each one is kind of interdependent on each other. Yes, for sure. And combines to do what? Together. If you put them together, what does that equal? The best way to state this is what does it equal? It equals a healthier you, a healthier lifestyle, a more, a more better you at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, being physically fit, physically well, it ultimately just gives a better person uh, the ability to live life to a fuller extent, happier, longer life, and just just be happy. Yeah, good. I like that. Let, let's kind of start at the beginning. Um, what are some things that we really need to think about when we kind of consider this idea of physical fitness in the, in the sense that the average person thinks about it. I know from a scientific perspective, you kind of break it down in differently, but let's just go average Joe. Sure. What, what are some things that we really need to be thinking about as we start to consider this? With the aspect of just physical fitness, one of the key points here is what does, what does that mean? For some individuals, their goal may be to be an Olympic body, or I'm sorry, not Olympic bodybuilder, a regular, or just a bodybuilder, right? Uh, or Olympic lifter. That fitness is going to be different than an individual who's looking to lose weight or a ultra marathon runner or just a regular marathon or even just your general person who wants to go out and run. Each level of fitness is going to look a little bit different for that person. If you're looking to, to, to gain mass via muscle, you're going to be seeking weightlifting. You're going to try and figure out how you're going to get to have larger muscles. If you're looking to lose weight, you're not looking to lift large muscles. 
Uh, you're looking at high repetitions, low amount of weight for a time period in order to keep your cardiovascular high. Um, and that's another side of this too is fitness can also mean your cardiovascular, not just your ability to run or bike or row, but also cardiovascular is just the, the ability for your heart to, plump, to pump oxygen to the muscles. That is, that is ultimately what your cardiovascular endurance is, is testing, is how well can, can my heart get the oxygen to the muscles in order to, to perform. Okay. But I would imagine that every single human being out there should have some basic things that they should be concerned with, right? I get it. We all may have a different goal in mind or things that we're trying to achieve. And so, therefore, how we go about that may look a little bit different. But just as a fundamental human being, we all have some basic things that we should be dialed into no matter what, right? Sure. And with that, I would, I would actually push it over to more of the physical wellness piece than it is the physical fitness. When we're talking physical wellness, that can mean anything from your nutrition to also include range of motion, uh, your joints ability to actually move through a full range. A lot of individuals lack the ability to move their hips through a full range. They assume that because they can stand up and sit down, that's full range of motion. But that's only taken up about a quarter of what your, your hips can actually move. Uh, ankle function. A lot of individuals really lack in the ankle mobility. So when we're talking about key things that individuals should be, should be able to do as a whole, I would really tie it into the wellness piece more than the fitness piece, just because everybody's fitness level and their goals are going to vary. But when you actually look at wellness as a whole and what we're, our bodies should be able to achieve and the ability to go out and accomplish daily life tasks, that is, I think, where the, <clears throat> excuse me, is where the big difference comes into that. Sure. So if we're talking about, you know, some of those key things that individuals should be able to do, there's a lot of studies out there that say, hey, this is what you need to do in order to be considered healthy. There's the BMI test. You have the old version, Air Force <laughs> bike test. You have the, the ergo current, test. The ergo mm -hmm. test, right? I was the new there. version Air Force test where it's push-ups, sit-ups, and run, which has a great purpose. It yeah. does. Um, but what is that purpose? A lot of individuals get anxiety over it. The question that I ask is, what does it prove if I can do push-ups, sit-ups, or the mile-and-a-half run? If I'm a mile-and-a-half from coverage, I've already done messed up. I, I need to reevaluate my situation there rather than, hey, can I run a mile-and-a-half in under X amount of time? So I think really when, when we're talking about what are those key functions that individuals should be looking at is, do I have full range of motion in my shoulder? Do I have full range of motion in my knee? my ankle, my hips. 80%. It sounds like you're, you're almost advocating for yoga, right? I will say yoga has very good principles. Uh, I think that yoga it's, has a, has a purpose for some individuals. Right. Uh, the and, general, I don't, and I don't want to make light of it or offend anyone, but it's really advanced stretching. So yes and no. Okay. So when you're looking at stretching, right, you have different types of stretching. There's static, there's active, there's dynamic. So all sorts of different types of stretching. Yoga falls almost more in line with an active dynamic method of stretching. Where yoga, I believe, for the general purpose of people fails is you move from one position to another without ever fully stretching. So mm. if you are already flexible or you're in the process of learning to be flexible, yoga can help you continue to excel in those. 
But for me, for an example, uh, I don't find that I get the real good stretch. And I'm going to use a little bit of a medical, or not medical, uh, more scientific term than what we're, we're talking here. Sure. So when you are going to perform a stretch, and you guys, please feel free to help me out with this one. So when you go to do a static stretch, mm-hmm. you bend down and you feel that muscle get really tight. Yep. Right. And then how long do you hold that stretch for? 10 seconds. 10 seconds. I'm, I try to go for 30. About 30 seconds. Okay. Well, I would say my 10 is if, like, for example, if I'm going to run, no stretch is longer than 10 seconds. Okay. Because I found that if I stretch for, let's say I stretch for a minute, it feels good, but I am seriously fatigued once I go run. That is a great point. Don't let me forget to come back and touch on that. Okay. Because I, I, I do want to talk about that a little bit as well. Um, so roughly 10-ish seconds, depending, and you say about 30. Yeah. When does the timer start? Uh, I normally start my time once I actually reach the max stretching point for me, whatever that is. Okay. Same. Okay. So in theory, the... the and, and I guess I would say, go since we're bringing into the details, yep. let's say once I start, start like a calf stretch. Uh, so you get to that stretch point and I'm start my counter and I just kind of loosely count 10 seconds. And about halfway through, you feel your muscle kind of relax a bit and you can lean a bit more, not too much, right? But just a tiny bit more. So halfway through that 10 seconds, I get just a little bit extra stretch, but I still come up at the end of 10 seconds. So that that's actually the point that I want to make here is when you start a stretch, that tension that gets created into that muscle, your, your muscle gets tight and your, everything in you kind of seizes up and Mm -hmm. it's, it goes into defense mode. You're not actually stretching at this point. You're pulling that muscle and it's trying to resist what you're doing. It says, Hey, this is dangerous. And I, I can't, you're going too far. Exactly. Exceeded maximum limits. It's actually every, every muscle where your muscle connects to your tendon, Mm. it's called the Golgi tendon organs. And what this does is once you've hit that max stretch point and you've kind of settled there, your body says, Hey, I'm not in danger. This isn't bad. And that releases a stimulus that allows that muscle to actually relax at that point, you have now begun your stretch. So mm. once you've actually felt that release, now you're actually stretching that muscle to allow it to make a change. Mm. Now, that's not to say that stretching a tight muscle isn't unhelpful. For some, I mean, that may be all they need. However, it is not the most effective means at which to stretch. So really getting your body to finally get into that relaxed state of that stretch and then begin the stretch. And that's why I say yoga okay. is very helpful and beneficial to a degree for hitting some of these different poses that they have. Um, when I do yoga, I go in, I sit down, and the yoga instructor will start, and they say, okay, we're going to start off in downward dog or cat pose. Or I'm right. not a yoga person by any means. I just I follow the, whatever the person in front of me does <laughs> is the one that I do. Right. Me too. And once we, hit, once we hit that pose where I'm like – wow, this really hurts, the class will continue, and I'm going to stay in that pose. I hang out in that spot, kind of just let it go. Once I start to feel that it's relaxed and I'm able to hold that position a little bit better, then I'll figure out where they're at, and I'll try and see what the transition is for me to get to it. Right, So because you're waiting for that for the muscles to relax so you can get that good stretch. Right. This is good information. Now, that's not to say that static stretching is the stretch that you should do, though. Every... 
every activity or time of day or things like that has a different purpose towards the type of stretch that you should No, before keep. we go too far, sure. you, you said you wanted to go back to, because now I'm curious. Yes. Um, when I mentioned being fatigued if I stretch for too long. Right. Okay. That's exactly what I'm tying into. Oh, right. That's so with that being said, you're going you're gonna to go out and you're going you're gonna to run, we'll say. Uh, and I tested this theory out because some of the classes that I've done have stated, hey, you shouldn't do these, you should do this then, or whatever the case may be. So I went and I was going to do a mock PT test. Mm-hmm. And I went in and I static stretched. I stretched my pecs, I stretched my back, mm-hmm. stretched my hamstrings, and I started doing my PT test. Oh, hold on, I want to key in on that for listeners. You stretched your pecs for a run. I I did it for a mock PT test. Oh, just for the whole test. Right. Okay, so push-ups, sit-ups, and the run. I got it. So as a whole, I did this. What I found was that my max push-ups fell by about 15 to 20. My sit-ups. Wait, 15 to 20 reps? 15 to 20 reps. As in By, by stretching prior to. By performing static stretching prior to the Air Force PT test or a mock Air Force PT test, I lost 15 to 20 reps. Okay. So That's what it does, it it is significant. So what it is is when you are static stretching a muscle, you are stretching those fibers to their to their max. So once you go to actually have to perform, they have now lost their elasticity. So when you're asking that mu- that muscle to fire, it's already stretched and kind of weak. So it's too relaxed. It's too relaxed. So <laughs> your your muscles are now sitting on the couch. So I want to make sure I'm understanding you here. Sure. This is not something that is maybe unique to you. This is not. You're suggesting that, you know, this is something that could very much be impacting every single person that when they go to do their test, if they're doing that static stretch minutes before. They could be hurting themselves. Very much so. It's going to affect their numbers. Very much so. Negatively. Correct. And and I'm taking my knowledge just from athletics uh, growing up. I've played soccer. I've played football. That's very interesting. This is the first time in my entire professional and, life I've heard this. And so. and just we, you know, you kind of pick up on things, right? And right. I always realized that if I was like, oh, get a good stretch in. But the more I would get a good stretch in before a game, the worse I did. Right. And I noticed that I would just start. That's why I reduced it down to these little ten second. Because then I, I rebounded. I went the other way. The pendulum was swung where I didn't stretch before, and I would stretch after, and I would cramp like crazy. But just that little 10 seconds seemed to be a sweet spot to reduce the cramp level, but not make me tired. Right. Right. Now, here's the difference. Stretching before an activity is strongly encouraged. Static stretching before an activity is not. That's uh, where your active stretching so and how your do dynamic I, stretching so, come in. Uh, so a dynamic stretch, is that when I'm continuously moving through a stretch? Can we... Uh, just can we so find a way I'll, to... I'll yeah, give you give an, example an example. Yeah. Yeah, so, example. For, um, for example, the PT test, the push-up the section. Push-ups. What would you do to dynamic stress your pectoral muscles? Arm circles, arm rotations, right? Big, okay. long arm so rotations. So you mean in elementary school, they were right <laughs> the whole time. So <laughs> I will say in elementary school, portions of it were possibly right. Okay. Um, there's a reason why they no longer do the box sit and reach test. You know, mm-hmm. it's where you sit with your feet up against a box. Yep. You got a little counter there, and you have to lean forward and try and knock oh, it. I never did that. Oh, one. you never did that no, one. I, did. I don't. So know. they got rid of that. But test. the windmill thing, you know, where you rotate your arms in a in a small circle, hanging up. So uh, if you're sticking your arms straight out to your side, right. and it's in a, ooh, I don't know, sagittal, lagittal. There's a plane for that. Um, <laughs> excuse me. Um, if if you're trying to do that, 
you're you're not focusing your attention towards your pecs. That's oh. more towards your rotator cuff right. or some of your small dynamic muscles. What I'm talking about is if you're standing straight up mm-hmm. and you take your right hand and you place it over your head with your palm facing forward, what you're going to do is you're going to scoop the air in a forward motion all the way down and as far back as you can before the rotation of your wrist is going to hold you up. Then you're going to rotate your hand and continue to scoop the air up overhead. Just like swimming. Just like swimming. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. So think of a door. Like a freestyle freestyle swimmer. Yeah. yeah. Just keep on swimming. Okay. Um, and you're going to do that, say, 10 times. And then what you're going to do is you're going to turn your hand or your palm facing the other way, and you're going to try and go the opposite direction, scooping backwards, almost Ooh. like you're doing a backstroke. Yep. Okay. Um, that will f- not, it doesn't necessarily stretch the muscle. What it does is it primes the muscle. It says, hey, I'm getting ready to do an activity. I need you ready to go. When I say it's time to work, I need you to work. So you're really more, rather than stretching the muscle, you're priming it. You're getting the blood flow to that muscle. Your heart starts pumping oxygenated blood into that muscle so that it is able to perform when you want it to. Now, you, you mentioned the static stretching, 15 to 20 reps, less reps in your push-ups. Yes, if I did the dynamic stretch, do you have a number for that? This is where this is gonna this plays into your own physical fitness level a little bit, uh-huh. um, and this is where that wellness and fitness kind of tie back and forth. For the average individual who has primed their muscles and they are ready to go, they will see an increase. Now, to say what that number is going to look like for each individual, yeah, that's tough. It would be hard to yeah. it would be hard to equate. Just, now you're talking about how much muscles they have, how yeah. long their arms are, body type. Their endurance, their vascular yeah. right. abilities. Right. Right. The stamina right, to keep going. Yeah. So so let me ask you this. So what I'm hearing is, is really right before an activity, you should do that dynamic stretching. That's Correct. ideal. But in the weeks and months prior to that, let's say using the PT test as an example, the static stretching could be done. And does it have benefits from a long-term perspective at prepping that muscle for increased demand. So I will say, even with static stretching, after your PT test, you should, you should stretch out your muscles. Um, and you can even utilize <coughs> active stretching for that or static stretching. Um, in the months leading up to after an activity, a couple of minutes of doing some static stretching mm-hmm. is not going to hurt you. Um, it, can, it can be very beneficial. Yeah. Now, depending on which study you read or what report you look at, static stretching is not the most effective method. Um, there are other uh, there are other methods. Static stretching is just the one that everyone knows at this point. Everyone knows, hey, my hamstrings feel tight. I'm going to bend over, reach for my toes, mm-hmm. stretch it out. Maybe cross a leg while I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. Really focus in on one side or the other. Uh, what I mean by it's not necessarily the most effective is SMR, so self-myofascial release. Most people know this more as a foam roller, right? Yeah. So what you're doing with this is, as you're rolling over the surface of your skin, it'll find a knotty area where the muscles kind of bound up, and you can target that specific spot and really work towards releasing the tension that is there. You can do... SMR with a foam roller. If you don't have a foam roller, a can of soup. If you don't have that, uh, tennis ball, tennis ball, lacrosse yeah. ball. Tennis balls are great because they're a little squishier. So if you got a really tender spot, not only that, compared to a foam <laughs> roller, a foam roller is very large in in its area. So if you have a small pinpoint area underneath, say your scapula, which is your shoulder blades, 
that's just really bothering you. Right. A foam roller is going to be really hard to get in there to, to target, target that moment. Yeah. yeah. Now, I think I, I know about the tennis ball. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah, that's that was a, I don't know, it's just, it's been around for a while, but this sounds like, this is still a lot of extra information. So, and I will say, screen. so the tennis ball is squishy. If you find that it's just not quite giving it, mm-hmm. a lacrosse ball, a baseball, a softball, and the difference between a baseball and a softball, the circumference area, and how much it will tack to your skin. So here's another side of this too, is when we're talking about getting the joints moving and range of motion restored so that you are able to perform again, having the ability to have a tackiness. So you take the ball, you press it into your skin and you rotate. What it's doing is it's bunching up all that loose skin and all that loose muscle, and then you apply pressure. Now what you're doing is you're working on that sliding surface. So your muscles should be able to slide freely over your skin. Your muscles should be able to slide freely underneath your skin. Yeah, we got the point. Yeah, Yeah. I I, kind of lost my thought there. Um, So you you need everything to be working in harmony is what you're looking for. So having that ability to place a ball and provide a rotational force to it as well. Um, You can get some of that out of a foam roller. But if you're using an actual foam roller, right. it's really hard to get that, that twisting motion. Now, right. if you're using something more like a PVC pipe, you <laughs> may have the ability to do it. Okay. But that's for your real extreme athlete who's just looking to be in pain. <laughs> mm. Okay, so we've talked stretching. Right. Yes. What else? What are some other things that we should be kind of thinking about as we start Getting in the mindset of prepping ourselves for increased levels of fitness. Increased levels of fitness. Right. Would, so, would you say, and in attacking that, I just want to tack yeah. onto it a little bit. Um, is this a cultural uh, or a way, uh, I would say, uh, sorry, I'm trying to collect my thoughts. Is this a way of life or a culture? It's a great question. So if you if you look at the the trending increase in the fitness industry it is booming right now all these companies are coming around and fitness as a whole well-being it's it's skyrocketing everyone's trying to get into the industry because it's one of the fastest growing because people are realizing hey if i don't take care of myself this is going to happen in the future so how do i how do i do this so is it a cultural thing or what was the other one you used a way of life or a way of life and i say a way of life um for myself, for decades, fitness was a way of life. Right. Um, where I would wake up and I would do 100 push-ups every day. You know, it's 50 push-ups in the morning, 50 push-ups at night. It was a way of life for me. So I wake up and I have to do those 50 push-ups. Then I can start my day. But that's, it was automatic. Up, down, do my 50, get up, brush my teeth, wash, all that stuff. Uh, and that was a way of life and it helped maintain a certain level of fitness. So even if I didn't get my normal workout in that day, I at least did that so my muscles were always ready, you know, to do something. That's how, that was my, my, my mentality. I want my muscles always ready to do something. They're always in standby mode so I can call upon them because I was just, I was playing multiple sports mm-hmm. uh, for 20 years. I never, I didn't play a single sport until I was over, in my 30s. Oh. So I was just athletic all right. the time. And I felt like I needed to keep my body at that level. So where we are here with the PT test, for example, and I never feared the push-up portion of the PT test because of that way of life I had. I knew at any time you could wake me up at 2 a.m. and I'm going to pass this PT test with push-ups. 
So do we, to get, alleviate that stress, should we attack this problem from a way of life perspective or as a cultural perspective where we have more, we have ingrained some healthy habits before I go home, I stop by the gym, I bring in a gym bag, I, t- I take that extra time to, or to do something here at on base or do something near the home or around the home, you know, run around the block a few times. I mean, I hope I didn't make that too vague. No, no, you're good. Okay. So what I would say is, is it's going to be a combination of both. Um, and it's going to depend on the individual and even your surroundings and where you're at. Right. Uh, when you're deployed, it's a lot easier to go work out than when, say, right. you're at home station where you have life. You have maybe a wife, you have kids, oh, yeah. you have a dog, whatever it is, bills. Hey, my boss <laughs> wants me to pull an extra you know, six hours tonight. Yeah, 12-hour shifts. 12-hour shifts. So you have to really make it a part of your life. It has to become a priority, really. Right. Now, that doesn't mean that it needs to change how you do business. It just needs to become a priority. So when you're, when you're talking about waking up and doing push-ups and sit-ups in the morning, it's a great habit to instill. Hmm. Your day is just kind of starting. I would, I would encourage people to go back to that dynamic stretch you know, you just got out of bed, your body's still waking up, get the blood there before you go trying to target that muscle. You don't want to pull, pull a pack or something in the process. If you're the ones who can just jump out of bed and you're just ready to go right off the bat, you could probably be okay. But repeated motion of that degree mm. without a break or allowing your body to be prepared can cause potential for an injury. My torn rotator agrees with you. Exactly. So, <laughs> and not to say that waking up and doing push-ups right off the bat caused you to tear a rotator, right. but it could be a sign of an unprepared muscle being fatigued first thing without ever being primed, and then you go straight into taxing it all day long. Right. As far as increasing a level of fitness goes, some of the key things that I would really say, especially when we're talking about, say, Air Force PT test. Right. Everyone knows push-ups and sit-ups. Well, how do we improve push-ups and sit-ups? And the number one thing that I hear people say is if you want to improve push-ups and sit-ups, is do push-ups and sit-ups. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I can do push-ups and sit-ups, and that's not going to necessarily make me improve. Now, to a degree, yes, but your body becomes accustomed to motion. This is why when you're, when you actually have a personal trainer training, you may have the same plan for two, three, maybe five weeks. And then they may throw in a, an audible on you, right? Mm. Um, I may not take when I'm having somebody do squats today, I may do normal squats next week. When we do squats, I may have you do sumo squats, something to change up the, so your body doesn't get so accustomed to it that it stops growing and you stop performing. So you can do incline push-ups, you can do decline push-ups, you can do kneeling push-ups, especially for those who struggle with the push-ups. It's a great way to start off. So uh, is that, is that what is the right term, uh, muscle confusion? I've heard this term before. Is that correct to use in this situation? Yes. There, in, in the grand scheme of what it is, you are trying to do that. I wouldn't call it muscle confusion per se. Uh, your muscles don't have the ability to, to really get confused, <laughs> but yes, in that sense, it is the, the, the idea behind the, uh, the approach. Right. So if we're talking about, Hey, how do I, how do I get better at my pushups? If the individual struggles from the get go, I'm probably going to start them off with some kneeling pushups. 
once they've done a few of those and they feel pretty comfortable, I'm probably going to go to having them perform push-ups up against a, a box, a wall, depending on what their level of ability is. Mm. As, a, as a trainer, though, I have to be mindful when I'm watching somebody do push-ups if their form is not correct, uh, right? Yes. Here's the thing is you, the average person who lifts, if they do it with proper technique, because most people, if you go in the gym and you walk around and you look, we can point out flaws all day where people are losing actual or, power. Yeah, they they're lacking the torque. They're not they're not loading themselves up, creating the torque, and firing with all their ability. It's just what their muscle can force. I've out. always I've always had the mantra of go until your form breaks. Go until your form breaks. As right? soon as your form breaks, that's your min. That's your max. But here's the thing: is is your form correct before you started? Oh, I thought so. <laughs> so a lot of people believe that they have great form. Hmm. Um, there's a there's a great book about how to create torque, and if you're not actually creating that torque before you start, as soon as you begin, you lose your form. Mm. Now you may it you may feel like you're still there, and there may be pointers that you're like, oh, I still have that. But if we really took the time and we sat down and we broke down what you're doing, without that torque, you're going to lose it. So for anyone that might be marginal in their PT, uh, that might feel a heightened level of stress, would it behoove them then to take some time out and go speak with a personal trainer, so such as yourself, to tighten up those techniques? So what I recommend for a lot of people, especially who are struggling, we have personal trainers in the medical facility here um, that are, do a great job. Mm -hmm. Great asset that we have, and it's free. If you go downtown to a personal trainer, say at any of the local fitness centers, not saying that any of them are, are horrible or they don't know what they're doing. Uh, the very first step that I personally take is an assessment. Your first session is me just assessing your movement. Just watching you. Right. Um, I, I deal with a lot of runners. I really enjoy running and I'll take and break down somebody's run. If you go to the fitness center here, they have a whole computer where it just does it for them and they oh, can wow. really say, hey, this is some of the things that you have going on. But if you take the time and you look at somebody's run, you can see a lot of where they have kinetic breakdowns, where maybe their hips aren't working properly with their legs. Um, and you can really begin to pinpoint muscle imbalances, um, a couple other really big words that I'm not going to try and get into at this point. <laughs> but basically, if the muscles aren't working in harmony. So if I'm lacking hamstring strength or, say, range of motion, right. Something's going to pick up that difference for me. Right. If I need if I need a little bit more out of my hammies, my glutes are probably going to go in there and help them out. Now uh, that's not the intent, but my body is a very and I think we've all felt that uh, right right. We've all had the butt cheeks sore exactly. from a long run, yep. and that's not the primary muscle that's supposed to be used yeah. during a run, but that means it's it's picking up the slack because another muscle has already failed. Right. Well, that body seeks that maximum efficiency somehow, some way, and it will leverage everything at its disposal to try to get there. Right. Now, and with that, too, the other thing that a lot of people really, really hurt themselves at is when we go to the gym, we think about hitting those big muscle groups, right? For guys, we, wanna, we want those biceps. We're looking for pecs, maybe some tries in there. Leg day? Oh man, what's leg day, right? Right. <laughs> Too often, that's that's the thing. Oh man, if I got to skip one day, it's gonna be my legs. Well, that's your foundation. It, it is. That's that's what we're we're built on. 
However, on top of that... Isn't the core the foundation? Mm, well, if you think about what's holding you up. So this is where you we can we could argue semantics a little bit on that too. Okay. But really, if we're all we're doing is targeting our major muscle groups, what a... Now, I guess let's back this up a when little bit. When I say core, I meant like... Your, your abdominals. Stomach, your abdominals, yeah. So let me, I guess, back this up a little bit. So your your large muscles are there to is, enable you to to move objects, right? Large, heavy things. That's really the idea behind what your, your major muscle groups do. But when we go to the gym, we don't think about hitting our small, fast twitch muscles. That is there for balance. That is there to help stabilize. So your rotator cuff is not a large muscle group. Yeah. And But it does get targeted at the gym by guys because it ties into your pecs. So it's easy to kind of target that. But when let's take your core, for example, we go in and this is, goes back to how do we improve pushups and sit-ups? We do sit-ups. Well, that's your obliques, but there is way more muscles in your core that are supporting your spine and stabilizing your core. And all of that ties straight into your hip complex. Well, a lot of individuals who end up with lower back pain, which makes up 80% of issues, right? Is caused from lower back pain. Well, what's causing that? I, I got a six pack, but man, my back is killing me. Well, when was the last time we, st- we took the time to target some of these small fast switch muscles that are stabilizing your spine, keeping it in line, holding it in place, or your knee? You know, when you look at females, because they primarily are the ones who suffer the majority of knee issues. Mm. And that's because most females end up with their feet in a pronated position. Well, oh, can you break that down? Some sure. So let's think pigeon toe. Yep. Um, so if you look, a lot of females have that pigeon toe foot, some more severe than others. Some some may have their, their toes, toes pointed inward as well. Yeah. And, and for anyone who might be wondering, pigeon toes, when the, your toes are closer together than your heels and slew footed would be the opposite of that. The idea here is really that where, where's the, the breakdown? Now, if you if you go and you look at the diagrams of the human body and mm-hmm. how the male bones align versus female bones. There's a whole whole difference there. But having a proper kinetic chain is what you're going for. Right. And when you're talking about knee issues in females, and males have this as well, but it is primarily females, um, you really have to take a systematic approach. So, hey, I have knee pain. Where is the knee pain at? And you don't start where it is right? Mm. For the majority of most people's issues, it's not going to be at the source of pain. It's going to, you need to be looking above and below, targeting those areas, moving through that. Uh, I have a coworker who had shoulder pain. He was complaining about shoulder pain and I gave him the lacrosse ball. I placed it on the lower side of his um, scapula, uh, shoulder blade. blade. Sorry, I was really lacking. I remembered from earlier. I was trying to remember the, 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 lander term for that um on the lower side of the shoulder blade and i was like look i need you to lay on this we'll call it 10 minutes all i want you to do is find where it's sore and then move your arm around just whatever direction you can move your arm move it around a little bit once that feels okay roll the ball up a little bit find another spot so that's tender until you've hit 10 minutes and he had this radiating pain that just fired all the way down his left arm and into his fingers step one was let's make sure you're not having a heart attack Oh my. Once we yeah. were able to determine that this was truly a musculature issue, he did this for 10 minutes, went home, mm-hmm. did it again for 10 minutes, came into work the next day saying he never felt better. Like his arm was just amazing at that point. 
So just because you feel pain doesn't mean that that's what's causing the pain. So when your muscle gets tight and it pulls, the weakest link in there is where you're going to feel it. So if I'm sore in my hips and my hammies are tight and my calves are tight and everything else downstream, there's a chance that something downstream may be causing my hips to be pulled out of alignment. Uh, Maybe it could be that something in my abdominals or in my lower back mm. isn't pulling my hips appropriately and I need to pull adjust my abdominals or my lower back in order to help my hips out depending on what that looks like. So uh, I would say to, to encompass this or maybe to summarize what, we've, what I'm learning so far, if you are having some physical issues, it's worth looking into yourself, looking into the human body and thus leveraging someone who's trained, especially when we have that uh, service here on, on, on this, base yeah. for that best Correct. price of all time, uh, which is free. Right, free ninety nine. Free ninety nine. You just need to ask about it, and you can go. They can go to and ask at the gym. Inquire there, right? So the, where's the best place to go? So the physical therapist, as well as the nutritional therapist that we have here, uh, they have two offices. One is in the medical center, and they have a, a small outpost in the CRC, which is the Commando Ready Center over in Building Six Hundred. Uh, you can also get in touch with the physical therapist. Uh, I'm sorry not physical therapist. He is a personal trainer. Okay. Wrong term there. My apologies. The personal trainer, and I don't remember his schedule, but he teaches uh, personal training sessions at the satellite gym over on the flight line. But great resource. You can call him on the phone, schedule an appointment. They'll do gait tests, which is how far your stride is and how your stride looks when you run, whether it's at walk, jog, or sprint speed. The nutritional therapist can go through and talk about what your diet is, because at the end of the day, if when Ooh. individuals come to me and say, hey, yeah. I'm getting ready to deploy, or hey, I want to get fit, can you create me a workout plan? The first response I give them is no, I cannot. If you want me just to give you a blanket workout plan, go online, Google workout plan, <laughs> and follow it. Um, because without an actual assessment to see where you're at, to see what you need to improve, and really target some of those areas. So when I start training an individual, I don't throw them on a bench and say, let's start benching. Right. Um, I'm looking for your muscle imbalances. Right. I'm looking for where your muscles may not be firing appropriately. And, you and mentioned, then I'm going to start targeting those. You mentioned quickly diet. diet. And that's come up a couple of times. And yeah, we know, okay, don't be, don't eat the big steak and potatoes meal before your run the next day. If you have to run for time, your PT test, uh, you may not want to have that big giant ribeye. Right. Uh, so what would you want to eat? Great question. What's the, what's the best food? Because you do hear some conflicting information out there. Some people say pasta, some people say eggs, some people say nothing, just carb drink water. Load. So yeah. carb load, right? A, yeah. Carb load is a huge get thing. The, Everyone's get like, the oh, good we carb carbs, load before get we the run. good carbs and, and whatnot. And, and, uh, and so let's talk about some do's and do's there. Cause, and try and, uh, since, since you're professionally educated on sure. this subject, let's, uh, talk about what's, What's the reality? So let's talk about the, the average airman who's about to take a PT test, right? right? Unprepared for the last three, four months, hasn't changed their diet, and they come to me and they say, hey, I'm, I got my PT test. It's in four days. What should I do? Panic. My number one <laughs> response is whatever you've done the last four months, continue to do it. If you're a smoker and you wake up in the morning, every morning, and you smoke two cigarettes on your way to work, mm. before you get to your PT test, make sure you've smoked your two cigarettes. Oh, if and this is so your body doesn't freak out. This is so your body doesn't go into panic mode, right? This is The number one thing that people try and do, this is very common with smokers, is 
day of PT test, I'm not going to smoke my cigarettes. Right. I hear that Guys, all the time. If, if that's what your body is used to, give your body what it is used to. You don't need to add more stress to your body than what you're already about to put onto it. So if you're the individual who every night for dinner you eat steak and potatoes, maybe cut back on the <laughs> amount of steak and potato. Right. If you're not eating, you know, a 72-ounce sirloin, you're probably okay. You know, a small 8-ounce steak or so, maybe half a portion of a potato, it's not going it, to necessarily be a detriment. Now, if you take the actions prior to, say, four days out, and you're looking to improve before your PT test. When it comes to nutrition, start eating fruits and vegetables. Hands down, number one thing. Eat when, your veggies, everyone. When individuals cramp up during their, their run, real keen indicator that they lack potassium. Yes. Um, and yeah. here's bananas. Bananas are a great way to oh, help yeah. you keep it, from cramping. Anyone, I guess, if you've played ball, any ball. Or runner, if you're a yeah. runner. Oh, 100%. Know. The runners know, marathon runners know. Yep. Boy, you love bananas and apples. I hate being in a marathon, and as you go through each station, you're like, where are the bananas? And they're like, oh, we don't have bananas in this race. You're like, I guess I'm going home. (laughs) Like, I don't have my banana. (laughs) So, I mean, but with that too, I mean, being being in tune with your body, you'll learn if you start early before your test what it is that you need. So this is a common one that I hear when people go, man, I'm really craving chocolate. Are you really? There? Yeah. You're, so yeah. the idea behind craving chocolate isn't so much that your body says, I need chocolate. It's lacking something and it's telling you it needs something. So that's what cravings are. Is it's saying, hey, I'm in need of something. Your body knows what it needs and it associates it with a food group. Right. So in this case, chocolate is high in mag- uh, magnesium. So your body says, hey, I need magnesium. And you're like, man, I crave chocolate. And then you go out and buy chocolate. Your body wasn't saying, hey, I want chocolate. It was saying, hey, I want magnesium. Right. And if you eat a lot of chocolate and that's where your body gets magnesium from, that's where your craving is going to be originated with. Exactly. Instead of, uh, I don't know, greens have magnesium. There, there's yeah. a lot of different foods that you can go with. And the, the idea here is really just when you're more in tune and understand what it is that your body's looking at, you can start to go, hey, I need to eat this or that. Um, I, I've gotten really good at knowing when it is that I need to go eat an apple or when I want a banana or whatever the food group is. Yeah. And it's okay. So if I'm, if I'm walking through the store and I'm like, man, I really want to, you know, super sugary drink. Well, is it the sugar in there that I want or what is in that drink that my body has related to earning that nutrient? Right. So that's where talking to a nutritionalist, because here's at the end of the day, a lot of people get into these diets, whether it's the Atkins diet, mm. uh, Weight Watchers, or whatever whatever the current diet is of your choice. And when people ask me, hey, what should I do to, to adjust my diet? Well, what do you like to eat? For right. one, we got to figure out how we're going to keep giving you what you want. Because if your favorite food in the world is ice cream, and I tell you, your diet is not going to include ice cream, you are not going to stick with this plan. <laughs> right. It's a very hard thing. If well, this is something that you enjoy. Well, this is moderation. It, it is moderation. Right? Like it's about, it's about moderation and mixing it up. Um, yeah. I think it sounds like we're going back to elementary school again, right? Where they tell you, you had to mix up your food groups and you had to get your fruits and you had to get your veggies and yeah. meat and they all, they, variety and color. Right. They all said it was okay. For, yeah. All of this was okay. Your steak was okay. The chicken was okay. The fish was good. The meat was good. And your candy and stuff was still included in that, but it couldn't be the only thing. Right. So when you consume liquids, 
it shouldn't only be monsters. <clears throat> Maintenance. <laughs> you know. Oh, right? you just threw them under the bus. Red Bull for me, thank you. <laughs> you know? yeah, I'm, I'm a Red Bull. Yeah, I love me some Red Bulls. Bulls. <laughs> oh. Okay, so do those have a negative effect when it comes to something like uh, aerobic activity, like running? I will say you can go to a lot of these endurance sports. And I've been in marathons before where halfway through, they'll have a Red Bull station and you can slam a Red Bull. So in moderation. Mm. Now, if you're the guy who goes and buys the 20 ounce can or that the new large monster size, I'm not sure what it yeah, is. Yeah, it's incredible. Um, that's, that's not moderating. And uh -huh. if you're able to consume that much, your caffeine tolerance is just ridiculous. At one point, I was able to consume way more than I ever should be able to. And it was like, okay, this is a sign. I, I need to cut back on these because I'm not doing myself justice, right? right? And it may not be that it's bad for you in the sense of performing the activity because if you look at a lot of workout supplements that individuals buy, those things are loaded with caffeine or taurine or different things that yeah. you find in high sugar energy drinks. Not to say you can't have them, but what are the other side effects? What is it doing to your heart, right? When you start getting those heart rhythmic um, pulses, you have to really start thinking about it in that sense. So reducing how much caffeine you consume will benefit you in the long run. I mean, you're, the human body is made up of primarily water. How many of us drink the water to make sure that we are good? If you want to drink that 16-ounce can of Monster or Red Bull or whatever right. it is. Sure. We're not saying you can't have it. Make sure you're consuming the water to offset because right. caffeine it also is a dehydrator, mm -hmm. right? It's going to dehydrate you. And if so, you're running, that's bad news. Exactly. If I'm, if I'm supposed to consume, let's say my doctor recommends that I drink 72 ounces of water a day, and then I add in a cup of coffee, and then I go work out, and then I sit in a hot car, or I'm out on the flight line, or I'm in a plane, or whatever the case is, and I'm sweating more than normal, well, my 72 ounces isn't 72 ounces, it, it should bump up a little bit and I should try and make up that difference so that I'm, I'm feeling hydrated. Yeah, I, I heard a statistic, uh, and I don't know how true it is because I didn't take the time to research it, but roughly 75 to 80% of the American population is chronically dehydrated from a truly scientific um, right. definition of whether or not you're hydrated or dehydrated. So the majority of the listeners are going to be, you know, active duty who have went through basic training. Yep. If you think back to basic training oh, yeah. and how often you had to drink and how much fluid you drank, now relate that to how many times you had to use the restroom. A lot. And if you mm. weren't having to use the restroom a lot, you probably weren't consuming the fluids you were supposed to. And then you got out of basic training where somebody stopped reminding you to drink. And in an hour in basic training, you may have used the restroom three times, we'll say. There's a lot of Americans now who maybe use the restroom three times in a day. Yeah. Hmm. And that, that should be a key sign that, hey, we should drink more fluids. Uh, for the guys who were stationed at Nellis, I was at Nellis for seven years, uh, when in this, definitely when you hit the hot months, it was if you go longer than an hour without using the restroom, you know, we're talking about number one here, yep. there's a problem. Yep. And because, and now there, when you have that extreme heat, that plus, that triple digit heat, that really you can really mess yeah. yourself up. Right? And it's dry out there too. Yeah, so, so you don't realize your body's sweating. You quicker. Right. Your body can sweat in a place like Las Vegas and it evaporates off your skin as it's coming through the pores. So you think you're fine, you're not. So you're here's, losing water. Here's the side piece here that you have to really consider too, because what we don't want is for somebody to end up um, 
there's a term for this overhydration yes but it's dry dry drowning or Mm. land drowning right Uh, no, I, what is it? I know what you're talking about. Yeah. So basically, it, it it's drinking way too much. Drinking way too much water. Right. Yep. So your body can only process and consume so much water, and it's based on the amount of nutrients that you have. So how about let's uh, can we relate this to something people can uh, think about? Uh, those normal size water bottles, mm-hmm. right? You buy in a big pack. So how many of those per hour would you consume? So that's that's where I'm not going to touch on. Okay. Uh, I would love to give that answer. Each individual may be a little bit different depending on your current medical status, whether you may have diabetes and a a doctor may recommend something different. So if you are questioning how much water you should consume or something like that, speak to a medical professional. Now, as far as recommendations to help ensure that the water that you consume is processed, is getting the nutrients. And sometimes that's getting a Powerade or a Gatorade, something with some electrolytes. So... If you look at them, those typically have a pretty good amount of sodium. Yeah, there's a lot of salt. And that's to help prevent cramps because they're sports drinks, right? Well, what it does is it helps you absorb the water too. Oh, okay. So when that salt goes in there, it is actually collecting water and then distributing it out through your body, right? So, yes, it does help with the fact of your, your sports performance. But really what it's doing is it's grabbing all that water that you're consuming and allowing it to actually be dispersed out to your muscles so if if you are in a place like so it's the vehicle delivering the 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 fluid to the various areas of the body that need it right and this goes back to you know supplements as a whole because ultimately Gatorade Powerade while they are a very tasty fruity beverage it is ultimately a supplement Mm -hmm. uh, to real supplements if you're eating the nutrients via fruits vegetables uh breads, grains, whatever it is, you're going to be more in tune to having your body process the the water like it should and like it's supposed to. Interesting. This is this is a lot of there's a lot of good technical information. Yeah. Um, I'm learning some things sitting here. So Yeah, absolutely. So we're time. starting to get close to our time. Right. Uh, I believe. So I want to kind of uh, f- really kind of summarize one what are some things that we kind of need to focus on in yep. preparation time? All right. What are some things that we can focus on for whatever event we're training for and prepping for, whether it's a PT test or even, you know, for, for example, if you're a runner and going to do your half marathon or whatever, um, and then post. So let's kind of quickly summarize pre, during, and post event. Right. So when we're, when we're talking pre, whatever, whatever it is that we're, we're looking to target, one is... I go back to range of motion, making sure that we're, we're getting the body to where it functions as it was designed to function. If I have an impingement or a muscle imbalance, I really want to target on that so that when the time comes, I'm able to do it. Now, if we're looking at an Air Force PT test, uh, this is where I think we got sidetracked a little bit earlier. Uh, when, when we're talking about the push-up, there's a lot of ways to, to modify how we're going to prepare for the push-up, whether it's doing knee sit or knee push-ups, wall push-ups, uh, bench press, whatever it is, we can modify that. And most people understand, hey, it's a pushing motion from the chest. If I change it in these aspects, I can improve. Um, but we also have the stability side of that, right? And so what I'll do is I'll put people on a bozo ball, which is basically a half moon shaped ball. It's 
filled with air and it gives a little bit of a squish. So yeah. it's forcing your stability muscles to have to fire and engage. Those are fun. For I'll balance, have, basically. Well, yeah. For balance. Yeah. It's make it's forcing those muscles that we don't use until our large muscles <laughs> fatigue. Yeah. Fire. Now what it also does is when you're doing your push up and you start feeling like your shoulders are sore, it's forcing those things to be stronger uh, earlier ahead of time. So when I start getting people prepping for a, a PT test, I'll use any method for stability that I can find. So you have those. Maybe I even just change it up and I'll put a book on the floor. Raise your hand up an inch, two inches, just to offset the, the push where you're at. Different ways to modify the activity in which you're going to be performing. Sit-ups, uh, we have plenty of options. There's planks. There's uh obviously sit-ups. Right. Uh, I believe the gym here has a glute hamstring developer, GHD or Rogue 2, whatever it is that you want to call the, the mm. machine, which allows you to do a full range of motion sit-up, meaning that I go through full back extension. My my legs are, are horizontal. My back is going down. My head touches the floor, and then I sit up all the way. So my back is going through 180-degree range of motion really focusing all my attention towards my core. It can be tricky for some individuals who are lacking some score, some core stability. So how to modify, right? We have, there's always a reason to try and modify, mm -hmm. but abs is not a hard muscle group and it's not a mystery. When we were in, you know, elementary, even in basic training, you mountain climbers, yeah. uh, cherry pickers, your core is used in every activity of daily life. If yeah. you pick your arm up over your head, it engages your core. Yep. Everything fires out of that area. Um, and this is where we start running into the nervous system and how the, that all ties into your muscle groups and things pull in different directions. So one of the things I wanted to touch on before we run out of time is for the people who you mentioned earlier, you know, sometimes we have people who say they haven't done anything for the last four months and their PT test is coming up. What do I do? You right. know? Is there something, because there are people out there, I think a large percentage, a good chunk of us, that struggle with getting into that routine, with crossing that threshold to make uh, working out a way of life or at least a habit. Is there a, is, is there a way you can approach that? Because what you're talking about now with the machine, I think to someone who doesn't work out that's listening to this, that sounds intimidating. It it's does. a lot going on. So what is what can you do at that entry level to help fire off the the good vibes, the good feels that make you want to come back? Because sometimes people come out and they do a workout, they're exhausted, and then they taper off, right? Right. You 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 go to the gym, you go for a week, you come back, you're sore, you have a hard time putting your t-shirt on, and then you just don't keep up with it. So is there something scientifically that helps boost that wellness to where you feel good? but you're getting enough of a workout to kind of just get that entry level, you know, ball rolling. So as a personal trainer, I'll tell you my favorite time of the year is January. Because <laughs> everybody, everybody <laughs> comes in and they, right? they, they're like, hey, I want to start a fitness plan. Right. And you'll get people who either buy a 12 or I'm sorry, a five, a five day package or a 10 day package and all these people, or they'll buy it for a spouse or a friend and they'll come and they'll use one visit. Five visits or 10 visits have already been paid for and I'll never see them again. Wow. So when you look at it, it's like, okay, how do I get these people to come back? There are 
a level of which we can take a systematic approach to ensuring people get that because not everybody likes the gym. Um, if you look at a lot of people, they're like, man, I just hate running. So how do we make running fun? Exactly. Or yeah, how right. do I, how do I encourage somebody to want to do this? Uh, the real key here is there, there's no answer for everybody. And as a personal trainer, one of the things that I really strive to do is that first initial time that we sit down, I give an assessment. We talk about your goals, your plans. I have to stay dialed in. I have to know what it is that you're wanting. So if the individual themselves really just, they're, they're just not there for it. There's no, no amount anybody's going to do necessarily to change their mind. You have to find a way to get them to, to realize that this is, this is in my best interest. So if an, if an individual is just wanting to improve, whether it's a, a real heartfelt, hey, this is what I want to do, or it's, man, I should, I should probably put down the video game controller and go to the gym more often. We got to figure out a way to make it fun. Right. If you're struggling with that, unfortunately, like on this podcast alone, there's no way for me to run through a systematic, sure. hey, all these things are, are there. Right. Um, if I have an individual who just doesn't like running, well, I just make running less. But what I do is today we may run this amount. We really, let's say I'm like, hey, we're going to run one lap around the track. Right. Um, but by the end of the, the actual workout that we've done, in theory, I've had you run four laps around the track. You just only had to actually run one lap. So by the time that we, I say, hey, let's run a mile, and you're like, oh, that, that, I can't do that. Well, I'm like, Larry, look, we're gonna, we're just gonna run it slowly. We're gonna go together. We're gonna, I'm gonna have a conversation. Maybe sing some songs along the way, <laughs> right? By the time they get done, they're like, wow, that was, that really wasn't that bad. A lot of people who struggle with this are, hey, I don't like running. I only run my mile and a half when it's time. Mm. They go out there, they do the mile and a half, and by the time they're done, they're passing out, puking, right? And it's just the most miserable feeling in the world. Smokers is a great way to, to relate this, right? Nobody started smoking a pack and a half a day. You started. Uh, no. Yeah. I mean, if you try to, if you've never smoked a cigarette in your life and you're like, today yeah. I'm going to smoke a pack and a half, you'd die. It's probably not going to go well. Well, <laughs> yeah. the same concept yeah, goes for fitness. If, if I've never been in the gym and I'm like, man, I'm, I'm going to go hit the bench and I'm going to bench 145 50 times maybe four or five and the bar is going to fall on your face unless you happen to have a job where you're just in great shape and you can do it. But right. Yeah. Here's the thing is without taking it a systematic approach to making yourself better and you just go all in right off the bat, you're probably not going to like life and you're not going to like how it makes you feel. And you're going to say, this wasn't for me. Mm. So if I have somebody and I'm training them, I have to pay attention. If you're going to do this on your own and not have somebody training you, you have to be able to be your own voice and say, do I have more or do I not? Should I give a little more effort or should I call this good for the day? When I go into the gym, I start working out. I'm like, man, my hammies are sore. They're tight. I try a little bit. I'm like, you know what? It's not worth it. Tomorrow I'm going to be way worse and I'm not going to be able to function. I'm going to tap out on this. I'm going to try something else. So you have to be able to listen to what your body is telling you. Okay. Wow. All right, so we talked about stretching, we talked about stability, and then of course working the muscle groups themselves, right? right. You know, to really work on this that strength uh, building up. So that's kind of the prep, and I, I would assume diets 
involved in that as well. Very much so. Okay. And uh, you kind of mentioned earlier that really, you know, the fruits, the veggies, you know, some of the other plant-based uh, food groups tend to be. You can't go wrong if it's green. Yeah. So I guess the, the best no way to put this, food, right? and this is the way that I approach my shopping, and it's the easiest way to, to explain this. If you look at a grocery store, it is set up designed for a nutritionalist person. Stay to the outside. You outside go in and you stay on the outside perimeter of the store. Every aisle that you go down is not what you want. Now, yeah. that's not to say that there aren't some things in those aisles that you shouldn't go possibly pick up. Some nuts, uh, yeah. some dried fruit, maybe some the seasonings. seasonings, maybe some dried uh, or some frozen peas, yeah. um, maybe some pasta if you don't home make your pasta. Like Those things are okay. But every aisle you go down, hmm. count it as a, as a point against you, right? Hmm. If, you, if you're hitting every aisle in that store, you're coming out with some Oreos, some Chipotle. Uh, Chipotle, lots lots of highly processed foods and other highly processed foods and your body has a hard time digesting those. It's not designed to be consumed in that manner. Now that's not to say you can't enjoy them, but if you can go into the store and you say, I'm not going down any of the aisles and you stay on the outside, you'll have everything you need. You'll have everything you need. And if you can do that every time you go to the store for about a month, you're like, why do I even go down the center aisles? Now, Except for toilet paper, once this all clears <laughs> when up, when they're there, and yeah. you can buy your, those your things soap again, and Purell, yeah. right? You'll be able to buy those again at some point. Now you said that's what you should do, but why? Why is it about those foods that are so much better? So if you look at the outside of the outside perimeter of a grocery store, you go in, and it's usually your produce area, your fruits, mm-hmm. your vegetables, uh, maybe a bakery up front. It's not bread that has been made in a factory, sat on a truck for a week. By the time it gets to you, it's been another week. Then it's got, if bread lasts that long, there's a lot of preservatives in there and it's hard for your body to digest. Um, Whole, natural, real food, straight from the farm is what you're getting on the outside. So you go out of produce, usually you roll into either the chicken or the red meat. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, everything is about moderation. I'm not saying you should go and eat a steak dinner every night uh, but then you move into chicken, offsetting with some chicken, high-grade quality proteins. Uh, fish is usually right there. Again, great proteins. From that, you move into more of your dairy-esque, where you have eggs, cheese, milk. You pretty much have everything you need in the in a fairly raw format. Now, the only way you'd get anything better is if you're going and shopping at maybe an actual farm, Right. Or right. you have a farm on your property. Sure. But realistically, the outside has all those real nutrients that your body is looking for, the things yeah. that you need, uh, with the exception of maybe of some nuts. Yeah. And so that's really what I was kind of driving at is, is the reason those foods are so great is because they are absolutely nutrient rich. Right. Versus what you find in those center aisles, which... Uh, often are quite devoid of that stuff. And if they're there, they've been, you know, artificially added. Correct. Um, and there is, there are benefits in some of those aisles. Sure. And for an individual who's looking to, to change up their nutrients or their nutritional plan, talk to a nutritionalist. Yeah. They're going to help you out. They're going to point you in a direction. They're going to get you the information that is most correct for you. However, if you don't want to go talk to somebody like that and your only thing is, hey, I'm just going to stick to the outside perimeter of a store, you're already doing pretty good. Okay. Now, during the event, 
let's say it's the PT test or maybe a half marathon, whatever. Right. Just some sort of challenging event that you've been training for up to this point. Now you're in it. What are some things you need to be thinking about kind of real quick? Sure. So whatever it is, the moment it's about to begin, prime the muscles. Get your body ready for activity. Uh, if you watch a UFC fight, they get in the in the cage and they're jumping around, moving around. All's, sure, some of it may be a show, but the other thing is, is they're priming their muscles for activity. If you watch Olympic athletes, uh, there was the Australian sprinter, and she got well-known for her little bebop dance video prior to her run. No, Fire. Michael Phelps when he does the arm swing. Sure, yeah. Michael Phelps. Yeah. Great <laughs> example. They're, all they're doing is they're priming their body, getting ready for that activity. Now, once you've started the activity, there's not a lot you can do other than hope that you, you train properly, mm -hmm. that you maintain good form, and you execute good breathing techniques. So a lot of individuals, especially on our PT test, breathing is the number one thing that I see that most individuals fail at. They have the muscular endurance. They have the cardiovascular endurance. They fail to breathe effectively. Yeah. You get this really yeah. just gasping breath. Right. Your body it should be at a rhythm. It should. So here's the deal is yeah, like, you have to inhale the air into your lungs. Mm -hmm. Once it enters your lungs, your blood has to be able to flow through, pick up the oxygen, and then carry it out. By the time you blow or suck the air in and you're already blowing out immediately, half of the air that you actually just sucked in, your out. blood never got and you're blowing it out. So you just wasted that entire breath. Right. So you're fatiguing your muscles by depriving them of oxygen, but you're also fatiguing your body because you're doing excess work in the process. Burning ex yeah, that's a lot of energy burn right it there. Is. All wrapped up into your breathing. That's the old, uh, you know, military Jodies. Right. Right. Is not just about singing colorful songs. It's really to control your breathing. It is. Because when you're singing and you're chanting, yeah. you breathe slower than if you weren't. But it and could also be to challenge you too, because now you're having to engage energies into doing that. Well, it helps take your mind, it takes yeah. your mind off the, the run itself. Yeah. And it helps put it, it puts you into a rhythm that helps control your breathing. So you end up with more stamina overall. So, mm -hmm. and here's the other thing about the, the Jody's, if you can't sing it as you're going, you're going too fast. Ooh. So when that's why a lot of like even sports teams, they'll sing songs while they're running. If you're struggling to sing, Hey, it's time to bring this back. Uh, a good pace for most people who are training is the we should be able to have this conversation while we run. If I can't have this conversation with you, I need to dial it back. Hmm. And that's really a good key indicator as to, hey, what's my physical performance at or what does it look like today? Today I may be feeling great and I could run, you know, two or three miles an hour faster and still maintain this conversation. Whereas say tomorrow I'm a little more fatigued and I need to I need to dial it back. Right. It's, it goes back to that listening to your body. Yeah, don't be too what stubborn. What does your body need? Right. You don't want to be too stubborn where you're pushing yourself. You know, I mean, okay, when it's test time, you're trying to put your best effort out there. But while you're training, you don't want to overdo it. Right. Yep. Because you, you're, what you're going to end up doing is you're going to cause strain on muscles. You may pull a muscle. <clears throat> you may just cause damage that will require an actual doctor to go in and take a look yeah. at and evaluate. Right. Yeah. Rather than taking a systematic approach to handling it up front. Un understand your limits in yes. other words now one thing we haven't discussed is, is hydration at least specifically to this whole pre uh, during and post but 
obviously we need to be engaging in appropriate levels of hydration all through this process. Now for the PT test, that's such a short thing that you may not necessarily need to worry about that during during the event. Let's move on to post. What are some things that we can do right after real quick as we wrap this up? Okay. Um, So yes, going into an exercise, drinking water, maybe during the Air Force PT test, take a swig right before you start. Right. Small Mm. sip, just something to basically wet your whistle. Right. That way you don't get dry mouth as you go. Um, Following activity. Yep. Right. Don't go slam in a Red Bull. What at this point your body is saying, hey, I need fluids. It doesn't need Red Bull. It doesn't need coffee. What it's saying is, I need fluids to rehydrate this muscle group. A lot of individuals end up with cramps. Mm-hmm. Well, why are you cramping? I don't know. What would you drink after you got done running? Coffee. Well, uh-huh, you dehydrated yeah. yourself by running, and, and then you drank coffee, which dehydrates you further, and your body never got to rehydrate that muscle. Right. So, water. Water's great. I will say, Pedialyte. I am a I am a fan of Pedialyte. It's interesting. It is a it yeah, is a that, great way. That is an athlete's. There's one of those athletic secrets. Yes. That that stuff is, and now I can't tell you scientifically why it's great, but there's some good things in there. So I drink Pedialyte at least on average at least twice per week. Um, and now they have the advanced care and all these other ones they have even better things and they have a little chart on the back of the bottle that says hey this is why this one's better than gatorade or powerade or whatever other drinks however pdla can be expensive and for some it's just an unworthy price tag if you compare the ingredients that are on pdla to a bottle of v8 juice very similar so Hmm. preference on taste if you can't drink VA or V8 spicy, maybe try a Pedialyte. So if I'm going to be down range or somewhere where it's really hot, just unbearably, sure, tomato juice is probably the last thing I want to be consuming. <laughs> uh, yeah. Pedialyte will probably go down smoother. But if I'm somewhere here, say the wintertime when it's a little cooler out and I can handle stomaching tomato juice for a fraction of the price, it's a great way to go. And it's a great way to rehydrate, especially post-exercise any exercise, a can of tomato juice, there's a lot of nutrients in it that immediately fire off straight into your muscles and help you avoid that. Uh, there are a lot of talks about chocolate milk. Chocolate milk is a, yeah. a, a, another great one for a lot of different reasons Phil, though. I'm gonna say, Phil, this is one of the hardest podcasts for me to to try and wrap up. <laughs> because every it seems like every three minutes I'm like, oh, that's a tip I didn't know. I, right. And I'm like waiting to see what you say next. Uh, but we're about an hour 15 oh, into dang. it now. Yeah. yeah. I, and it's flown by. I, if I, I, I don't have a clock where I could see. So I'm just answering questions and going. Yeah. We try so, not to make it too long. We're, yeah. We try to be mindful. Our listeners have uh, other things they want to get on right. to during the day. But man. Uh, well, this feel is free to cut any really bit of that out. Valuable. <laughs> yeah. this no, really this valuable. is good stuff. And then, and uh, so what you drink and then finally maybe some stretching or stretching. Some various types of yes. so my recommendation is prior to any exercise when i have a client no matter what is i start off with self myofascial release meaning the foam roller yep. maybe a lacrosse ball and a tennis ball followed by some dynamic stretching post exercise straight back to that self myofascial release foam roller tennis ball lacrosse ball something of that nature targeting some of those areas okay then we'll maybe move into some static stretching or possibly some actual tissue stretching, which is where we talk about that twisting motion with the, with the, uh, lacrosse ball. 
Okay. Okay. Do you have any final thoughts, Mike? No, I don't. I think uh, we've we've really covered quite uh, quite a lot, and this is a this is a t- sort of topic that I feel is like difficult. Phil would have went for three more hours if we yeah. let him. Well, and you He's probably could. You He's probably could. This 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 topic is so in depth. It right. is, um, and, and it's one of those hard hard to touch on subjects for a lot of people because yeah. there's so much information from so many different sources. Yeah. Well. I had a great time talking about it, and yeah. I, I appreciate you uh, sharing like your thoughts and wisdom and perspectives. So, f- folks, I hope you learned from it, and uh, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. Yep. And in, and in my closing, I'll just say that for myself, as long even though I mentioned that I'd been an athlete for a couple of decades and and I was into various sports, I've never worked out as well as I did when I had a workout buddy. All right. That's even after true. twenty years yeah. of living that lifestyle. Having a workout buddy always improved my performance and my response during the workout, and that was never not true. So, f- so find someone in the shop, someone on your on the same shift, and that helps make it fun because misery loves company. Well, it's also an <laughs> accountability factor. Yeah. Oh, which man. helps. It oh, I, I had a friend, one of my longest running workout buddies. He used to say, "Look at me," and every time he said, "Look at me," that meant that. I was, uh, you know, kind of sandbagging it, <laughs> and he was making me look at his form yep. so that, and then my sense of competition would take over, and, and then I would perform. So anyhow, I don't want to relaunch the, the conversation, but yep. right. uh, make it fun, have fun with it, and get after it. Yeah, own it. It's yours. Yeah. For sure. Definitely. All right, folks. Thank you. All right. Thank you. You have listened to an episode of Pulse recorded by members of the Cannon Air Force Space community. The views expressed within this podcast are those of the speakers and guests and do not necessarily represent the view of the DOD, Department of Defense, or its components. To the airmen, soldiers, sailors, and Marines, we'll see you again soon.